0: You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. All right, good morning. Good morning. So happy to be here with each of you today. Normally I get away with hiding in the seats, right? I get, I get away with sitting in the seats. I hang out in the lobby a little bit today. Somehow I've wandered up here on stage. So I've met some of you, others I have not. So if you're wondering who is Ronnie Cannon, well, there's a few things you should know. So I've been in banking, like Sam said, probably for 11 years up until just a few days ago. And five years ago, my, my lovely wife, Mary... She approached me. She came to my place of business. And see, you need to know the backstory. I was Mary's mom's boss, all right? So Mary had heard of Ronnie Cannon, but she hadn't experienced Ronnie Cannon for herself. <laughs> so she shows up to my place of work. This is a bold move. And if you know Mary, you, I mean, you get it, right? You get it. And that's what I love about Mary. So she shows up. She doesn't just introduce herself. She asks me out on a date, all right? That'll humble a man. She asked me out on a date, and I was scared of her mom, so I didn't even, like, I didn't even respond right away. And I actually got a few death threats from her mom. But anyway, eventually I said yes, we went on a date, and a year later after meeting, we got married. And so probably a year after that, we had our first son here, Wyland, the blonde-headed boy, the bald-headed boy. That is our newest addition, that is Haddon, and he's just over two months old now. And so we've been here, we've been at uh, Bay Area, now East Point, for four to five years. And we just love every minute of it. We live in Queen Anne, uh, the town of Queen Anne. I've moved from Preston, I grew up in Preston, and Mary in Centerville, so neither one of us made it very far at all. And we're just enjoying life. So if you're ever out by like Tuckahoe State Park, feel free to stop by, come see us. Um, We'd love to have you. So we're going to open up our our Bibles to Mark and finish up chapter one. And this this morning we continue our series. And as we've been in this series, the the book of Mark, each time we open it up, we ask this question. Who is this Jesus? And if you want to learn more about a person, what better way to do that than to follow them around for a day? See their, see how they operate. See what makes them tick. And so that's what we did last week. Last Sunday, we spent a day with Jesus. We sat in the synagogue as Jesus preached the Sunday morning sermon like nobody had ever heard before. He preached it with authority, like, like the authority of the one who breathed the words out onto the very scroll that he was preaching from. And then we sat back and watched as this man, this man stood up and he confronted Jesus. He interrupted Jesus' message. This wasn't a middle schooler raising his hand with an answer to the rhetorical question of the youth pastor. This was the kingdom of darkness confronting the kingdom of light. And we watched in awe as, as Jesus cast out this demon from this man. Just by the sound of his voice. And then we left the synagogue. We went with Jesus and the disciples. We went back to Simon's house. We had lunch with the disciples. And we we saw his Jesus. Jesus grabbed Simon's mother-in-law's hand. Took her by the hand and healed her of this, this fever that had debilitated her. That had her bedridden. Simply by taking her hand. And then we stood up late into the night. Stayed up late in the night and stood by and watched Jesus as he cast out demons. He healed people. People had lined up at the door of Simon's house needing healing. And Jesus healed them. Who is this Jesus? And so they say if you want to find out who a person is, find out what they prioritize. I don't know if anybody actually says that. I Googled it. There were no search results, but it makes sense, right? Like this makes sense. If, if I followed you around for, for a day and you worked for 12 hours hustling and bustling, bustling jumping back from and forth from meeting to meeting, I would say what? You're, you're a hard worker. You prioritize work. If I looked at your weekly calendar, your schedule and on weeknights, You have soccer practice and soccer games. And on the weekends, you have soccer tournaments. I would call you a soccer player. You prioritize soccer. If you want to find out who a person really is, find out what they prioritize. And so this morning, as we follow Jesus around for another day, we're going to ask this question again. Who is this Jesus? And as we ask this question, as we follow around Jesus and see what he prioritizes, this question is going to become a little bit clearer. And as disciples of Jesus, we must ask ourselves this question. What do I prioritize? So here we go. Another day in the life of Jesus. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. This is God's word. It says, "In rising very early in the morning, While it was still dark, he departed. And he went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. So, after a long day of healing people, seeing miracles, Jesus and the rest of the disciples do what any group of grown adult men would do they have a sleepover. They put on their pajamas. They heat up some leftover pizza. They throw on a movie. I think even like some of the more immature disciples made a few prank phone calls. And then they fell asleep. And so what would Jesus do? The next day after such a busy day, the day before. Like maybe head down to the beach house. Get a couple nights of R&R. Maybe watch some Netflix on the couch. Kick his feet up. Now it says, early in the morning, even before the sun comes up, Jesus rolls out of bed, stretches, puts on his sandals, tiptoes over the disciples who are nestled snugly in their sleeping bags. And he heads out the door. He gets out of the house. He gets away from the disciples, away from the crowds, and he gets alone in a quiet place. And so imagine you're one of the disciples. You've seen amazing things the day before. You can't wait to see what Jesus is going to do next. And so the sun comes up. You wake up. You roll over in your sleeping bag. You look over. Jesus is gone. He's not here. You panic. You wake up the other disciples. Where is Jesus? You look all around the house. Jesus isn't there. And then you hear it. The knock. The knock on the door. The crowds are starting to line up again. They need healing. They need to see a miracle. And it's a bigger line than the day before. So you and the rest of the disciples, you run. You run out of the house. You look all over town. You need to find Jesus. You run back and forth. You can't find him. And then finally, just as the crowd is growing more and more unruly, you see him. Except this time he's not healing anybody He's not casting out any demons. Jesus is by himself. He's alone and he's, he's on his knees. His eyes are closed. He's talking to his father. Jesus is praying. And then look at what Simon says. Look how he reacts. Look what he says. Simon says, touch your toes. No, I'm just kidding. Simon says, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Jesus, everyone is looking for you. He's indignant. He's confused. There are people lined up at the door. The whole town, Jesus, they're looking for you. They need a miracle. What are you doing? You see, this seemed just as counterintuitive to the disciples as it does to us. Things needed to get done. People needed to be healed. Chop, chop, Jesus. There's only 24 hours in the day. What are you doing using up valuable time Praying. But well, like how many of you know that things need to get done? Work needs to get done. Appointments need to be kept. Meetings need to be had. Kids need to get to practice. Chores and projects around the house need to be kept up with. And our culture says, go, go, go. Do, 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 stay busy, keep doing. But Jesus took time to pray. Wasn't convenient. Remember, he was up before the sun. He had a busy, busy day before, stayed up late into the night. Yet Jesus prioritizes time spent with his Father. And so we learn a little bit more about Jesus when we learn that Jesus prioritizes prayer. Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, still made time for prayer. The man who could heal disease and cast out demons prioritized prayer. Friends, do we do that? Do you do that? Do we recognize the importance of time alone on our knees talking to God? Talking to our Heavenly Father? If we looked at a day in the life of you or me, would we leave there saying, that man, that woman, that teen, they prioritize prayer. They prioritize time with their heavenly father. Martin Luther, not king, much, much older. Martin Luther is quoted as saying this, I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. In other words, the more that he had to do in the day, the more things on his list of things to get done, the more time he was going to spend in prayer. He wasn't going to roll out of bed and hit the ground running. He was going to roll out of bed and hit the ground praying. Do we prioritize prayer like that? So Jesus is teaching his disciples by his example. In the Introduction to Life in the Kingdom of God 101, Jesus is teaching his disciples that Jesus himself prioritizes prayer. And if Jesus prioritizes prayer, how much more should his disciples, how much more should you and I prioritize prayer? So Simon and the disciples, they've interrupted Jesus. And if you have kids and you've been there, right? You know the feeling. So what's he do? Does he ignore them? Does he give in to the the pressure to to hurry back to town, to heal more people, to build his popularity, cast out more demons? Let's, Let's see. Let's look how Jesus responds. Verse 38, he says this. And he said to them, Jesus, he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So Jesus huddles his disciples up. He opens up the playbook and reminds them of the game plan. He says, I came out to preach. I came out to preach. If you remember back to after Jesus was baptized, after Jesus had been in the wilderness. Mark says that now after John was arrested and Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus reminds his disciples that he's not there to put on a show. To gain popularity by performing miracles. In fact, Jesus is actually going to grow to be quite unpopular right now. Right now, people are seeking Jesus. They're searching for Jesus for the sake of physical healing. There's crowds and crowds of people. They like Jesus. But if we were to look at the end of Mark, if we were to look at the end of this book, we would see a different story. We would see crowds shouting for Jesus' death. This was not about popularity for Jesus, for building a following for the sake of building a following, for the sake of being popular. This was about proclaiming the gospel, telling people that now is the time that the kingdom of God is here, that it's been ushered in through Jesus himself, the Son of God, coming to earth as a human. Repent. Turn to God. Turn away from living for yourself and turn to God. That's why Jesus came. That was his mission. This mission that God had planned long ago when when Adam, tempted by Satan, ushered sin into the world and then immediately God promises he promises that he will, he will bring someone into the world to crush Satan's head, defeat evil, free people from the condemnation of sin. And now this new Adam here was here, this new and better Adam. This new Adam could not be tempted. He would not be tempted, not by popularity, not by friends, not by his followers. So we see more of who Jesus is and we see that Jesus prioritizes God's plan. Jesus prioritizes God's plan. But hold on, Ronnie. Hold on. Isn't healing people like a good thing? Like, wasn't what Jesus was doing, isn't that a good thing? It's a great thing. Healing people is a great thing. If you can heal people, if you have the ability to heal people, by all means, heal people. Give them Tylenol. Give them Tums. Whatever you do, healing is a good thing. I mean, can you imagine this town of Capernaum? The day after all these people lined up at the door were healed. They had demons cast out of them. They had diseases cured. Can you imagine this town? People that had never walked a day in their lives were now running through the streets. Moms and dads who thought that they would never see their children outlive them. They were now seeing their children being children again playing, enjoying life. The town would be singing with joy. Healing was a good thing. But it wasn't the main thing. And Jesus kept the main thing, the main thing. Jesus prioritized God's plan. He stuck to the mission of his father to proclaim repentance and faith in him. And, like, you, you see why the miracles and the healing weren't the main thing, right? Like, we, we can understand this, right? Like, all those people, every, every last person lined up at the door that day with a disease, with a demon, who got healed by Jesus, they faced the same exact thing that, that you and I face today death. Later down the road, they would all die, 100% of them. But we have to understand this. Jesus didn't come to earth simply to cast out demons and heal people for a three-year period, 2,000 years ago, in a small region of the world. He had a much, much bigger mission, a mission that the disciples could not fathom. It was this mission that didn't wasn't just a part of history. It's the very thing that is directing history even as we speak today. A plan that would grant eternal life. Not just a better life, but eternal life to all who repented and believed. Jesus prioritized God's plan. Friends, what do you prioritize? What do we prioritize? What's your mission do you prioritize God's plan to proclaim repentance in faith? Are you proclaiming good news to lost people? That God's son has not just defeated darkness. He's not just defeated disease. He's not just defeated death. Do you see that? Jesus is... Jesus gives us life. He gives us eternal life. And by turning from ourselves and turning to God, we have eternal life. Is that your mission? Are you satisfied by other missions? Good but temporary missions. Good but smaller missions. So we can talk about healing. But that, that connection is clear, right? But what about other good things? What about other good things? I saw a couple. I was leaving the grocery store the other day. I saw a couple. They were on the side of the road by a stop sign sitting in the grass, and they had a sign, a cardboard sign they were holding up. I stopped. I I felt compelled. I stopped. I looked at my wallet. I only had a five, so hopefully other people gave them money because that's not going to get them very far. But I gave them a five. So I, I met a temporary need. I gave them a little bit of money to help them through a hard time. It was a good thing. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't ask them if they know Jesus. I have no idea what the the future holds for those people. I was so focused on meeting an immediate need that the more important need did not come to mind. Friends, there are people everywhere wandering around, lost, searching for Jesus. Jesus looking for Jesus, desperate for Jesus. They may not know that that's what they're desperate for. They may not know why they need Jesus, but they're searching. It's your friends. It's your coworkers. It's your relatives. It's your children. They need to hear the gospel that Jesus came to save sinners. Do you prioritize God's plan. So Jesus reminds his disciples of the game plan. He reminds them of the mission, and then they go. They leave Capernaum. And they go. They go out into the regions of Galilee, other towns, into their synagogues, and they, Jesus preaches. He preaches the gospel, and yes, he even casts out demons, but look what happens next. Verse 40, it says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, And kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, and he touched him, and he said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him, and he sent him away at once. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But... He went out and he began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. So as Jesus and his disciples are going around from town to town proclaiming the gospel, something crazy happens. A man comes hobbling towards Jesus. His eyes are set on Jesus. He's headed right for Jesus. But this wasn't just any man. This man had a horrible, horrible disease. His body was covered with rashes, blemishes, boils. He was in constant physical pain and discomfort. There wasn't a minute of a day that he wasn't a remi- reminded of this affliction. This disease affected every part of his body. This man was a leper. If the physical pain was bad, the emotional pain was even worse. This was a highly contagious disease. People feared to be around him. If they touched him, if they touched his clothes, some thought even if they breathed in the same air that they would, they would catch this contagious disease So laws were put into place to protect people, good laws, laws created by God himself. And so under the law, this man would now have to wear torn clothes, leave his hair unkept. He'd have to cover his face whenever he approached people, but he'd always have to keep his distance. And he'd always have to yell out, When he was approaching people, he'd always have to yell out, unclean, unclean. There was no mistaking who this man was. This man was a leper. But even laws meant for good turned bad in the hands of sinful people. And this helpless man was looked down upon. He was excluded. He was cast out. He was viewed as nothing. He was viewed as filth. Wherever he went, whatever he did, he was reminded of this truth of who he was, of what he was. A leper. His disease brought upon him shame, pain, embarrassment, loneliness. Everything that came with being considered unclean. And so word, word got out to the leper of what Jesus could do, what Jesus was capable of, how he could heal disease, how he could cast out demons. And he was desperate. He reaches Jesus. He falls to his knees and he begs Jesus, make me clean. There's not a hint of doubt in his voice. Only faith. The question was, it was only a matter of if Jesus will. If you will, you can make me clean. You can hear the brokenness in his voice. This guy didn't say, heal me of my disease, get rid of my leprosy. He said, make me clean. He was done. He was done with all the pain caused from being unclean. So Jesus says, I will. Be clean. And the leprosy immediately left him. And just like that, one more miracle from the hands of Jesus, from the voice of Jesus. One more person healed as, at his command. But, but notice this time that he doesn't just speak. Right? Do you see that? He didn't just speak this time. It says he touched him. Jesus touches him. The leper, the contagious leper, his skin is cleared. He's healed immediately. His shame turns from He goes from shame to joy. He's freed, and and Jesus charges him. He charges us. He commands him sternly, forcefully. He says, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. In other words, keep quiet. And as prescribed by the law, show the priest you are clean, offer sacrifices to God so that you can be welcomed back into society. To go to the priest, he understood. That makes sense. This man wanted to be welcomed back into society. He was an outcast for far too long. But to keep quiet? Keep this a secret, Jesus? Why would he keep quiet? Why would Jesus ask him to do this? Because Jesus prioritized God's plan. The the mission for which he came, to proclaim the gospel. If crowds of people followed Jesus seeking this, this physical healing, his mission would become incredibly more difficult. People would continue to seek temporary physical healing and miss the point that he was there to give them eternal spiritual salvation. And so, what what does the leper do? He goes out and tells everyone. He spreads the news, he tells other lepers, he tells Aunt Ethel with the foot fungus. Everyone finds out from the leper what Jesus can do, what he's capable of. The man that once yelled, unclean, unclean, is now yelling, I'm clean, I'm clean. And Jesus' popularity grows. So much so that he was so sought after for physical healing that he could not enter the towns to proclaim good news. The the, the more more populated areas, the towns, he was forced out to desolate, desolate places. And you see, something incredible happened when Jesus healed this leper. When he reached out, willingly touched the leper, he didn't just heal him, he took his place. This man, this leper, was now welcomed back into society after being an outcast. Now Jesus was considered an outcast. He had to move out to desolate places. He took his place. And the leper was given new life. Soon, very soon, Jesus would be put to death. Jesus took his place because Jesus prioritizes people. Jesus knew that there were consequences. There would be consequences for healing this man. Jesus knew that he would suffer for healing this man so that this man could be set free. And he did it anyway. He showed selfless compassion because that's who Jesus is. He's selfless. He's compassionate. Because Jesus prioritizes people. So how many of you know That like himself, Jesus has called his disciples to be a people that prioritize people. That he's called the church, his church, to be a people that prioritizes people. That he's called East Point Church to be a people that prioritizes his people. Not that that people a distraction a distraction from more important things that people are the important thing not that people are an interruption to God's plan that people are the purpose of God's plan but like our, our human hearts don't think like that our human hearts prioritize self over people right Like our acceptance, our priorities, our our comfort, our pleasure, our everything, self over people. In fact, all of these things, prayer, God's plan, people, our human hearts don't see the need for them. At least not priorities over self. But what can we do? What can we do if we know that a person's priorities tell us who they are? And we know that Jesus prioritized prayer, God's plan, and people. And we know that as followers of Jesus, as Jesus' disciples, we are called to be like Jesus, then what can we do? Notice the leper didn't save himself. Like though he may have tried, right? Nothing he did could get rid of this sickness. It was Jesus who healed him. It took a miracle from Jesus. And our sin, our selfishness, our desire to put self before everything else is like leprosy. It's a manifestation of what's going on in our hearts. But like he willingly traded places with this leper, bearing the consequences of this disease, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He took it on himself. He took the punishment for our sins on himself. And when we believe that, when we are willing to turn from ourselves and turn to God, he gives us new hearts. Christian, you have a new heart. You are not who you were because Jesus is who he is. You are not who you were because Jesus is who he is. Because Jesus is who he is, the son of God who prioritized prayer God's plan. People. And died on the cross to defeat evil. When you put your faith in him, he changes you. You are not the same person. I grew up 20 minutes down the road. 20 minutes down the road. I spent a good part of my life not living for Jesus. There are people that could walk in these doors and and look up here and wonder like what the heck am I doing on stage at a church preaching the gospel not who I was because of Jesus because who Jesus is I am not who I was church you are not who you were because Jesus is who he is Because Jesus is who he is. You can call God father. You can have this intimate conversation with a loving, caring, compassionate father. A perfect father that nobody else gets to have except a Christian. Because Jesus is who he is and you are not who you were. You can put other people's needs before your own. You can care about people, unclean people. Because Jesus is who he is and you are not who you were, you can proclaim the good news, the gospel that Jesus came to save sinners. You can see people step out of darkness and into light, out of the world and into God's family. Because Jesus is who he is and you're not who you were. You can love people like God has called us to love people. You can love your spouse, your relatives, your coworkers, your neighbors, friends, your family, children. Like they were intended to be loved because of who Jesus is. Because of who Jesus is, your priorities are not what they were. Maybe you're here and you hear this story. You hear the story of the leper and you don't see it through the eyes of the disciples. You see it through the eyes of the leper. The outcast. This disease, this terrible disease known as sin has made you unclean, has made you feel like an outcast, as if God wants nothing to do with you, as if he'd never accept you, never welcome you into his family. Know that the good news is that, that Jesus came to save sinners did not end when Jesus died. Jesus still changes sinners to this day, long after his death. Jesus still changes people. And so this message that Jesus came to proclaim. That the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe in Jesus is what we still proclaim today. You're not who you were because Jesus is who he is. Church, this is the kind of people that that God is building. This is the kind of, of, of church that God is building. This is the kind of church, the kind of people that Easton, Maryland, the Talbot County, the Eastern Shore, it's the kind of people that they need. You are not who you were because Jesus is who he is. That's amazing news. Amen? All right, let's praise God for that today. Pray with me. Father, we, just, we thank you that that we can even come to you like this in prayer as a, as a family, Lord, as your family, that we can talk to you, that you're compassionate, that you're loving. And Father, we, we thank you that, of this amazing news, Lord, that long after the death of Jesus, you are still changing people. You're changing people's hearts. You're bringing people to yourself, Lord, so those of us who are Christians, we just pray that you, you cultivate in us this desire to pray, this desire to put your plan before everything else, put people before everything else. And Father, if we're here, we're, we're not Christians, Lord. If we're lost and we're looking for Jesus, Lord, I just pray that those people would know, Father, you have made him available. Father, you're still changing hearts today, and we are so thankful, so thankful that that is what you're doing. We're thankful for everything you've done, everything you're doing, everything you'll continue to do. Lord, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do. And we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.